party people! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I'm your host as always, Jeff Stormer. This week on the show, I am joined by Victoria Rogers for a game of Fallout Wasteland Warfare. Victoria is the host of the Broadswords, an all-women and non-binary Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition actual play podcast that is delightful and you should already be listening to it. But if you're not, you should head over to thebroadswords.com for more information. And Fallout Wasteland Warfare is the official role-playing game of the video game series Fallout, one of the first games that I ever fell in love with, and a game that a game series that I've been deeply, deeply all about ever since I was an awkward teenager, having grown into a awkward but sort of charming adult, if I may say so myself. Fallout is post-apocalypse radioactive pulp adventure. It is wonderful and weird and just... I love it a whole lot, and I've been really, really so excited to get to play this game and to get to play it with Victoria, and then it turned out that we were both huge fans of Fallout. It turned out perfectly. It was exactly good. I can't wait for you to hear it. It's a good episode. You can find more information about Fallout Wasteland Warfare and the Broadswords in the show notes below. Real quick, before we dive in, I have just a few quick plugs to throw at you. First, uh, if you're going to be in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania for PAX Unplugged on December 6th to the 8th, you should definitely at me, meet me up at the convention, talk to me. I'd love to hear from you. I'm going to be there all three days. It is a 20-minute trolley ride from my apartment. There's no reason in the world I'd miss it. But this year in particular is very exciting because I'm going to be on two separate panels, uh, both about topics that are very close to my heart, those topics being wrestling and role-playing games. Saturday night at 5.30, I'm going to be moderating a dream panel, which is the shared language of professional wrestling and role-playing games, alongside dear, dear friends of the show, Ian Vaffler, J.R. Goldberg, Kate Nix, Ophidian the Cobra, producer Jen Frank, and myself. We'll all be talking about the weird crossover between professional wrestling and role-playing games. That's a dream panel. That's one that I've wanted to do for years. I'm super, super excited. And the other panel that I'm going to be on is, is Friday night at 9 p.m., that is a uh, Smack Talk Showdown tournament in which game devs are going up against pro wrestlers, which is a weird and wonderful thing that's happening that I'm very excited about. So I hope to see you for either of those panels if you're going to be around at PAX. It's going to be a great weekend. I cannot wait. I'm super, super excited. <sighs> and with all that said, let's go ahead and throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. This week, I'm sitting down with Victoria Rogers. Victoria? Thank you so much for coming on Party of One. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. I'm super excited. This is going to be this is going to be a lot of fun. This is a game that I've wanted to play for a long time, so I'm really excited that we're going to like get get into it and sit down to play it. Yeah. So I love Fallout, but what's funny about it is I don't actually play the video game. I just watch my husband play it. Oh good. I'm so we've had the same experience. <laughs> I love the world and I love the story, but I don't actually want to play the video game. So I'm really excited about playing the RPG. Yeah, I played a ton of Fallout 2 when I was in high school. And mm. then like I've dabbled with all of the other ones. But like otherwise I watch streams and I'll talk to friends about it and I'll read wiki articles, but I don't. So good. I'm glad that we're coming at it from the same level of like love, like experience and the same passion points. Awesome. That that is hilarious because it's not often that you just find that person that you just like. I just like watching the game. <laughs> For sure, absolutely. So, um, real quick before we get into the game, why don't you take a moment and let the listeners at home know about all the stuff that you're go you've got going on that you want them to know about. Uh, well, uh, I am the DM and producer for the Broadswords, which is on the One Shot Podcast Network. 
I also have, we, well, actually at the time that this comes out, we'll have probably the new show out, NPCs, which is all about normal everyday D&D villagers who have to deal with adventurers who come in and fuck their lives up. Oh my god, this is this is this is making my entire day hearing about this. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's going to be that's going to be starting in the fall and I'm really excited about that show. Uh and well, at this point in time, the podcasts of that I've produced for Wizards of the Coast will be out, so if you want to hear some great fun adventures with a, like an on eight episode ongoing story, uh tune into that. You can find it on the Dungeon Dell feed. And I'm going to be on a little stream of Teens in Space uh, with Little Red Dot. And then I think uh, one more thing, a catacon. If you are going to be in the Dayton, Ohio area, come out to a catacon on November 8th through 10th. And it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a smaller convention, but it's it's small enough that you don't get lost. And it's big enough that there's always a game and something for you to do. Um, and it's full of great people. Yeah, I've come to realize that is my dream level of convention mm-hmm. is like exactly large enough where there's stuff and where it's not just like uh, one large, one large open room where I feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but small enough that I don't feel like I am co- like, small enough where I don't need time to be overwhelmed. Like with the larger conventions, I have to like be like I'm setting aside half of my morning to walking around and feeling overwhelmed for a while. Yes. Yeah, this is like, it, it's, a catacomb isn't huge. It's still small, but there's enough games going on and there's enough people there that you can always pick up a game. And there's actually, um, I think it, because it's put on by the RPG Academy, there is a huge number of podcasters and creators who go to it. So it's it's just like a lot of fun as another creator being able to like go out and like meet all these people that you, you know, are in contact with on the Twitterverse all the time. Um, yeah. And, and like make make new friends and play games. It's the best. It's what it's what I go to conventions for. So, yes, yeah. if you're in the Dayton, Ohio area, go to a catacon. I, I'm going to be at Metatopia that weekend. <laughs> but I know like I know enough people going to a catacon that I can guarantee it's going to be a great time. Yay. So. This week, uh, as we've mentioned, we are playing the official Fallout role-playing game, Fallout Wasteland Warfare, the RPG kind of expansion for the miniatures war war game. It is set in the world of Fallout. War. War never changes. Uh, The bombs dropped. The vaults closed. And this is the world that survived in the wake of the Great Big Wars. We are playing with what's left behind. So... You know, as we kind of zoom in, why don't you take a moment and introduce us to your character and tell us, like, uh, tell us your story to this point. All right. Uh, We have the introduction of Ms. No Hands. She, or I guess they, um, they, they were once human. Uh, and they 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 were a scientist, like a robotic scientist, um, and they were recruited by the institute, and they were very excited to you know do some robotics research. Unbeknownst to to them, uh, they were then experimented upon, and the institute decided that they're going to try to stick human brainwaves in synthetic beings, um, and that's what they did to her. 
And uh, she decided she didn't want to be at their beck and call and be a synthetic controlled by the Institute. So she stuck her new synthetic brain in a Mr. Handy Type 1 robot and got the heck out of Dodge. I mean, understandable. You know, yeah. I, you, you being, you know, you thought that you were going to be recruited by the people that were going to rebuild the world in the name of science and logic. And then came the scalpels and the, you know, a whole lot. Like, I, I feel like I would make the same deci- the same decision that they did. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't think they're into that. <laughs> And, and, oh, sorry. Uh, and now they are a floating robot um, who was, if you're, I guess if you're not familiar with the Fallout universe, a Mr. Handy Type 1 is like a domestic robot um, that floats around and can give you a joke on command and, you know, does stuff for you around your, around your base. Um, so, but this one is like, well, it's a person it's not just a robot. And so now that you've gotten out of Dodge, where have you where have you gone since? Where sort of is the where is our story set? Like where have you what has your life looked like since you've sort of fled from the institute? Where have you settled or have you settled at all? Like what is what does their life look like on a day-to-day level now that they're out in the world of after the bomb? I I am out there working for synthetic rights. Um, and I'm, I'm going around trying to find other synthetics and we're going to try to create a settlement, I guess, for just us where we can live free of the chains that the Institute have given us. I love it. So that, that gives us a very clear picture of like, I think our story starts kind of in this fledgling settlement, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, what are what are we picturing in terms of fallout aesthetics? What are we picturing for this tiniest set, uh, settlement, which we'll kind of put? I'm trying. I think I, I I always like when fallouts are grounded in a specific like real world region. Mm-hmm. And being that I am in Philadelphia, I'm just gonna say it's you know not in Philadelphia, but like around Philadelphia. Okay. Not that we need any specific, not that we're going to have any specific geographic reference points, but I always like when you get the montage of like, you know, uh, Independence Hall, except now it's half run over by super mutants. And yes. we kind of settle somewhere off, somewhere off away from the city proper in this small uh, settlement of synths and robotics. What is what is what is the, the, the settlement look like? I think it's an old farm. Uh, Perfect. Uh, you know, I'm gonna say it's an old cattle farm because, like, there's the old barns um, yep. with like the milking area, but okay. like yep. we've turned those into like computer labs. I can um, see it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then because like we don't really need, not all of us really need sleep and stuff, so like it's more like communal areas. For us, um, and uh, yeah, it's an old farm. So there's like the old farmhouse, there's the old cattle barn, and then there's like an old silo that's been turned, I don't know, into a tower. Right. So just just for my own sake, so we're kind of out, I think this is sort of out in like fallout Amish country, like okay. Pennsylvania Dutch, you know, <laughs> it's about an hour and a half outside of the city, and it's, it's you know... A lot of very, so it's all very kind of rustic, 
old, like these look like old, old, these would have looked like old barns in the old world. Okay. Which gives the sort of sci-fi makeover that they've kind of been given sort of a fun, a fun twist in that now they've got like armor plating on one side and there's a, there's Tesla coils zapping (laughs) up along them and they're not doing anything, but they're there and they look cool. Yeah, they look cool. They're fun. Um, And I, I think there's like a well. Like a water hand pump in the middle mm-hmm. of this, just for fun. Yeah, and I, I I think that it's got like um, it's got cables kind of looping the inside that you kind of see like a flash of light that kind of runs down the the length of the well. Mm, yep. Don't know what that's running to, but I think it's it's a visual that we see that there's like lights blinking and it's it's a very stark contrast between like very old world architecture and design coupled with robotics and synths and and we we see a lot of this as a like a figure in a trench coat and a hat walks through this area um is friendly with a few robots and itron floats by and gives a tip of the trilby and you know uh looks at a looks at a mr handy milking a brahmin which is a two-headed cow of course yep and um, is milking th- and, you know, gives a little bit of a wave. But also at the same time, the robots and the, the, you know, we see a few synths, which are like humanoid androids. They they are virtually indistinguishable from people. We see a few of them walking around and everybody is cordial, right? Like this is a, a friendly settlement. There's no, mm-hmm. it, it feels the, it, the atmosphere in the air is that there does not, there's not a sense of danger. Okay. But as we're watching this figure in a trench coat walk by, people are still giving him a certain level of distance and and, and sort of like, you know, smiling and nodding and then sort of cutting a wide arc. Which brings me to my next question. What is your what is your home or workshop or like base of operations look like? I think I have a floor in the silo. Okay. Uh, And... It is full of old computer parts mm-hmm. and uh, robot po- bits and bobs. And I think, no, I can't do that because I'm, well, I guess I could, but I'm, I wouldn't be very skilled. Um, Yeah, like I'm just there uh, trying to do more research on synthetics and my my focus is how to be able to like put out like a almost like a pulse or a wave to like get synthetics here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just targeting synthetics. Sure. So you're as you're kind of we 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 open on you kind of fiddling with like radio equipment and like tweaking, you know, screw make fixing vacuum tubes on an old radio. Mm-hmm. When you hear the distinct noise of a old, like a somewhat restored cherry picker mm. because what i'm picturing in this silo is that like it was a silo so it was like a one floor thing full of grain that like floors have been added onto yes and there are like sections cut out to turn them into windows and it has been sort of converted into a robotic apartment building yes that's exactly it with my antennas on the roof yeah mhm and so uh, what you hear is the distinct noise of a of a restored cherry picker, 
and it's kind of giving a ka-chunk, ka-chunk, and it's like, you know, it's it's not a smooth glide as and finally it comes to sort of your side, your your floor of the side of the, the of the tower. And somebody steps off onto sort of one of the little makeshift landings, which is all uh, you know, reconverted like white like chain link fences. And kind of steps through an opening, through a through an outside door into your office, puts down a suitcase on like a footstool, and just says, "Hands off." Now let me ask you. Okay. Obviously, this is a fixer. This is somebody that knows people, makes connections. What is your relationship like with this uh, fixer, who is, we'll say, a, a cyborg, so half like robotic? parts put onto a person mm-hmm. like what are my thoughts of them uh like I, i'd say i think you have some kind of you've interacted with them before okay. what is your relationship like with this individual yes who will name uh mr i think he goes by mr tin man <laughs> mr tin man the fixer um i think i think it's good um, I think we, we trust Mr. Tin Man enough, um, but, like, this is, this is the person in the, the Trilby, and, yep. okay, yeah, so I, I think, like, I think this relationship is newer. Okay. Um, it's maybe, let's say, the fourth time or so we've sure. dealt with each other, so we're at a point now where, like, okay, so trust is being made. We're building that trust, but it's not entirely there. This is still just a working relationship. That makes sense. So I think that I think that he steps in, he puts down the suitcase. And so he doesn't I think there are like um, maybe not chairs, but maybe like uh, boxes and things that he could use to sit on. But he doesn't sit. He puts down the suitcase, but he doesn't sit and just kind of waits for you to acknowledge after he just says like, Hands off. State your purpose. To the point. Can't say I don't respect that. I've We've all got things to do. I have an opportunity for you. I won't call it a job, but I'll call it an opportunity. Does this opportunity benefit me? Well, I would say so. I mean, it benefits. It's certainly... When I say an opportunity, I guess what I really mean is it's a favor for a friend. And obviously, you know, friends benefit all of us. But I think in this case, this friend might be able to help with any kind of gestures. I think he gestures with a like he's got a gun in his hand, but it's clear like he's he's got the safety on it. Mm -hmm. But he's still kind of holding it because you never know. Right. And he kind of gestures towards like your your radio. While not like not pointing at it like I'm going to shoot it, but kind of points points with the gun is like, I think it could benefit your project woes. What kind of favor? Well, you see, I I hesitate to bring up the name because I know that we've all got and he kind of taps a metal. He taps kind of a like the Terminator or the Kano from Mortal Kombat, like eyepiece. Mm hmm. And he kind of taps and he's like, we've all got associations with the Institute, but if I'm being 100% open, you got out 
which means that if you were to get in, you could then get out again. Uh, you see, like, my my buzzsaw goes a few times. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I think this uh, Mr. Tin Man has, has dealt with me enough that uh, you can tell when I'm upset. That is my signal. Sure. My tell. Um, I never want to have to go back there again. I And I wouldn't ask you to if I didn't think that you were the only person that could get somebody else out. You see, my friend is also looking to what's the what's the phrase you keep using get out of dodge my friend is looking to get out of dodge and there's an enclave of institute researchers they're not quite the main ones out of the commonwealth but they're you know they're trying to franchise out the project in a different region and frankly my friend is the clock is ticking And there's an opportunity for him to escape, but he needs somebody to help him get out. And if I'm being honest, I think you might be the only person that can do that. And if you say no, that's fine. But know that I don't want to play the emotion card, but you'd be helping somebody else get out of the position that you were in once upon a time. Who is this person? Name is Mr. Gray. Do you know, you know how the fix, how we, how we do in the industry. We kind of keep it last name professional. Do I know this name? Um, you don't like, uh, you don't, you've actually kept a pretty good, um, actually, why don't we call this? A, I think this is an opportunity for a skill roll. Ooh, I think this is an opportunity for a no, for specifically a know-how roll. Let me pull up the full list of skills. I can tell you what. Yeah, I think this is a this is a know-how science role that's probably pretty easy. Okay. So I'm going to give you a plus two bonus on it because I think that your background in like science means that you probably know like the big time movers and the shakers Mm -hmm. around, especially like the Institute, since you've got a background with them. Okay. So because I have. a specialty, or not a specialty, but like it's a an expertise in science yep. know-how. That means I get an extra black die. That is correct. Haha. That is correct. You also won't suffer the unskilled penalty. So, uh, what you're going to do is how skill rolls work in Fallout. You're going to roll your skill dice, which is a twenty-sided dice with distinct numbers and icons, as well as a black. Uh, effect dice, which is a twelve-sided dice, akin to but akin to but separate from uh, gen- uh, Fantasy Flight Genesis dice. Mm-hmm. So you're going to roll both of these dice. You want to match or exceed the number written on. Oh no, you want to get under. You want to get equal to or lower than the skill value listed on your character on your character's play map. Okay, and so this is under not or intelligence. Yes. So you want to get what? So what is your intelligence? Uh, intelligence uh, skill value six. So you're gonna add two to that. You want to get under an eight. Okay, and I have a 
gift of a Eidetic memory. Okay. Which, let me see what page, because I think that gives me bonuses to int rolls. So it means that most int rolls would be automatic successes. I don't think this one is, but what I will say is that you can ask a question about, like, is you've heard sort of, um, what I'll say is you've heard, you remember hearing talk of Mr. Gray. Okay. Um, so I'll ask, I'll allow you to ask me a question about like what you've heard or, you know, related to. And then if you succeed at the role, you'll get some really valuable information of like, you'll get some valuable information and get to ask me a question. But you'll get okay. to ask me kind of a, a question about the, what I'll call the cult of personality around Mr. Gray either way. Okay. So I have my white die, I have my black die, and you said I got two something or other? Uh, a plus two to your skill value, so okay. your skill value for this is eight. Great. Okay. So. And the back die is more likely to have an increased effect. It has different symbols on it, which will make it like more. Su- your 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 skill roll will be more successful. Unless I get the negative one. Unless you well, get the I negative. Know, I guess the negative. If you want to be under, oh, yeah. that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yes, yeah. that is a good thing because that makes your skill more likely to succeed. Okay, so it's kind of like Star Trek Adventures has the same system where you have to roll lower. Yeah. Okay. Well, I rolled a six and two POWs. Okay, great. The A POW adds one to the total impact. Um, so that means that you've got in three impact because you rolled under your skill value. Okay. So, um, so actually I'm going to say you can ask me, I'm going to tell you what you've heard, what you, what you remember, what you clearly undeniably remember about Mr. Gray. And then you can ask me three questions. Ooh, okay. Um, what you remember is that Mr. Gray was a big name. People talked about Mr. Gray in hushed tones. You know, Mr. Gray was like, Mr. Gray came in right before you were sort of betrayed by the Institute. And even though it was in a different part of the country, people talked about Mr. Gray like it was like like having him on board with the Institute was was game changing, life changing. OK. And so but also but like no one, no one that you knew had any like in-person interactions with him. But there were moments where people would be like there was a meeting with Mr. Gray and they would just like produce you know they would they would come with notes and like four institute scientists would sequester themselves for like three days after after hearing after getting notes from a meeting with mr gray okay so mr gray is smart maybe unbelievably like like it seems like mr gray's intellect could change could have changed everything for the institute and but like was so mysterious that no one directly interacted with him okay so, my first question, mm-hmm. what is Mr. Gray's specialty? Mr. Gray's specialty seemed to be, um, it seemed to be, like, he seemed to be an ideas guy, in that, like, you, you, I'm gonna say you, you saw some of his notes one time, and it was a lot of, like, requires a requires you know certain theorem to be worked out before this plan can be implemented okay 
Like it was it was ideas that were so complex that we just weren't there that like the Institute just wasn't there yet and had to work on part A to get to part Z, which is what Mr. Gray was like pitching to us. Okay. What? So. Did Mr. Gray's work involve synthetics? Um. Yes, I'm going to say yes, I'm going to say um in as much as well i'm gonna say in as much as like everything in the institute involved synthetics at some point especially Mm -hmm. once the institute decided that that's where they were going there was the notes that you saw was about like a way to let's make this let's make this the most enticing there was a there was there were theorems bandied about about like a global synth communication almost not almost but not well Something that the Institute theorized could be turned into a hive mind system, but that was also just like a central nexus point where all synths, all synths in like a given radius that could theoretically have been worldwide. But again, they were talking, this was Mr. Gray talking point Z when we were at point A. Mm -hmm. Okay. That could have connected all synths across a given space to have like a single, you know, a single... conscious thought hmm definitely do not want the institute to have their hands on that that would be bad yeah that would be very bad um okay so and so you can kind of understand why maybe maybe why i mean and maybe mr gray had the same thought he clearly wants to get out Mm Hmm. um okay so i guess i have one more question okay um mr gray I have to think like a robot, Mr. Gray. Well, a human that is now a robot. Sure. <laughs> um, so, ideas guy, top down, global synth system. Before synths, he had a lot of ideas about transportation, is the other thing. Okay, global synths and transportation. My, uh, is what... Do I have any inkling of why he would want to leave? Um, you do. And the the simplest answer, you know, you know, you do and you don't know if it's the most rational. Like I, I thought, but, you know, you know, you know, your experience with the Institute. Mm-hmm. You, you saw how they ha- how they treated you. Yeah. You got to assume that if they got the impulse... They don't see people as people. They see people as a means to experiment to to the success to a successful experiment. So there's no say. I, so it could have been a. It could be maybe he grew a conscience and wanted to get out that way. Maybe they turned on him and they were going to use him. Okay. All right. So I, I Mr. Tin Man mentions Mr. Gray's name. Mm hmm. Um, and so you see this buzzsaw start whirling, um, and I start kind of like floating back and forth, almost like I'm, I'm pacing across my Mm -hmm. office. I stop, um, at the table where the briefcase was left, um, opposite side from Mr. Mm -hmm. Tinman. I make contact with my three eyes. Fine. What's in this? And I nod down at the briefcase. And he like, um, 
he like solemnly goes to open it, puts in a key, like puts in in his three, you know, three digit combination, slides it over, pops it open. And it's like socks and underwear. And he's like, this is oh, this is just mine. This is just mine. I just wanted to mess with you a little bit. He's like, I can send you the files digitally. I just figure, you know, I it really I mean, it's as much it's it's transportation as much as aesthetics. You get it. Right. Right. Um, and, and at that, like, I you see, like, one of my robot arms come around and, like, pull the, like, ratty pink house coat that I wear mm-hmm. over top. Um, it was my, you know, what? this was my favorite house coat from when I was human. And it has gone with me everywhere. It's been darned. Uh, there are some stains, some permanent stains on it now, mainly, like, oil stains, Sure. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's something I keep from that time period when I when I was a bipedal being. Uh, and like I I guess I understand. Good. I'm glad. All right. And I think he like he um he taps some buttons on his he taps like a button on his ear. And like, you know, you you get a little ping, you get a little ping in your in your HUD display that is uh like you know a map a very fallout looking like region map Mm -hmm. with like keyed notes on like here's here's where we roughly believe their base to be and here's like and here's you know here's a raider enclave that's not far off whether you want to avoid that or use it it's there and Mm -hmm. it's stuff like that like it's just various details about the area around this um around this like supposed institute base. <laughs> uh so I'm 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 examining this this map. Um this raider base. Do you know if uh they have any contact with the institute? What's their relationship like? What I know Remember how I said Mr. Gray had a chance to get out? Mm-hmm. I think they probably had something to do with that but not in a in an intentional way. Uh, I think they may have smashed their way into an outer wall and Mr. Gray maybe saw a chance to escape. Okay. Well, maybe we can get them to attack again and in the chaos we can get them out. I like the way you think. Well, more institute people that are dead, better for me. Hey, you know what? You're not going to hear any complaints from me. All right, let's... Uh... Let's go scout out some raiders. Okay. So it's about an hour. Like, I'm going to say it's like a few hours walk, right? Like, you probably... When when do you leave and when do you arrive? Like, it takes a few hours. Um, I don't... It doesn't really matter for me because I can just go whenever. That's true. Um, but I think I... I, um, I bow to Mr. Tinman's abilities. Um... And go when it's easiest for Tin Man. Uh, Tin Man's eye changes from red to green, and he says, "We should head out. We should head out at nightfall, because you know we'll be fine." Okay. Because, but I don't want to get to a raider camp. I don't want to be. Let's put it this way: I don't want to be two strangers walking into a raider camp in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a not great approach for us. Yep, uh, 
you know, let let the Raiders uh, kind of like. Why don't we get there first thing in the morning? Because the Raiders will probably be hungover and uh, sleepy and not quite there. I think that's, I think we're on the exact same page. Okay. So we get a very Fallout travel montage, <laughs> right? The Overland map. Yes. What's, what's, one th- what's one interesting Fallout thing that you see between here and, and the Raider camp? Uh, we see a, we see an old service station. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think there is, there's a ghoul who, who runs the store there now. Uh, and uh, I like the ghoul. We have a good relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Runs a little like, runs a, like a vegetable stand. <laughs> yes. Not, not that I really need vegetables, but we, we, you know, at, the, they give us information and, you know, we we go out there yeah. and help him out when he needs it. Yeah. You you pass by the, the ghoul's vegetable stand, you know, uh, Mr. Tin Man buys a, buys a, we'll call it like a super radish. <laughs> where it's like three radishes glued together. And it's, it's radiated because it's a radish anyway. I, yep. I'm excited about that. Anyway. Um, and he's just kind of noshing on it as, as you continue to walk. I think you also see, um, like a, a water, like a city water tower that the top has been like blown off of it. Mm-hmm. And you just look up and you see like, um, you see, uh, like a family of super mutants are like grabbing big bowl, like big giant bowls. And by bowls, I mean like full size tires and like drinking from it and splashing in it. And they're just making it their, their home. Okay. It's like a hot tub for super mutants. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> they're all sitting around it with their arms on the side. Just like one of them has what looks like a full size tree branch, but he's smoking it like a cigar. And oh. it's just. They're just enjoying themselves. Uh, uh, we we just go on by because I do not want to provoke the super mutant family. I think I I think Tin Man gives you a nod. Like I think that's the right idea. Yeah, they're, they're having a great time though. Good on that. Uh, you get to you get to the Raider camp. There's about six six or eight of them sitting around. Uh, very Mad Max looking, very classic Fallout Raider outfits. You know, some of them in Mad Max gear, some of them in uh, like punk rock vests with with headbands. One of them's grilling up a mole rat. There's the you know you see you see a half carved out rad scorpion, a uh, corpse that they're like feasting on. They're clearly like, and you know they one of them I think they see you coming. One of them stands up and points like a musket at you. Two others kind of grab crowbars. And a an old woman puts up a hand and is just like, wait. What do you want? State your purpose. We we just want to talk. You want to talk, then talk. Had- I think this is going to be a skill roll. I think, okay. I, I think I'd like to make a skill roll first to see what you see, okay. how this goes for us. All right. And so this is going to be a charisma. Role. Okay, so that is a five. Okay. And what does the little symbol with like the beep 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 symbol mean? 
Uh, that's a good question. Let me check the. There's a very. I, one of the things I like about this game is uh, that means that you have an expertise in presence. Okay. Which let's see if that applies here. It might. Oh. Yeah, I would. I would absolutely allow that. Okay. Let's call this a presence roll. All right. So you're gonna get that black die. You're gonna not take a not take a penalty for it. Woohoo! I like that you understood what beep 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 meant. Hundred <laughs> percent, which is fascinating to me. Now that you now that you lay that out. <laughs> um. Okay. All right. I've got um. There's like the cog with an X on the white die. Okay. And I got a pow. Okay. So what that means is uh, the X icon means you have failed. Oh. It means whatever has happened, you have failed. Great. Um, as it is not a number, you cannot make that a success. Okay. However, you also get an action point. Action points can be used to carry out quick actions, minor activities, and like other special things. All right. So I'm... Um, okay. And then for your for your impact... Um, what I'll say is because you got that impact, um, I'm going to let you name an advantage as well as hold on to that action point. Okay. So we'll call this a failure with advantage. Okay. Um, I think the advantage is, okay, so they've, they've got like their, their, their rad scorpion and their mole rat, but I think they look kind of hungry. Um, and I would like for my action... To, like, open my belly and pull out some Brahmin steaks and offer it to them. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I think that you offer it to them and the woman kind of walks up. So what do you say as she's kind of taking the Brahmin steaks and handing them off to the other raiders who start, like, some of them are firing them up. One of them just starts carving it. And, like, one of, so I think one of the raiders takes out, like, a butterfly knife and really, like, effortlessly does it. And then carves the slightest sliver, puts it on a little skewer, and starts, like, grilling it like it's Korean barbecue. Yes! One gourmand here. <laughs> um, and, you know, I make a mental note of that person. You yeah. know, that, that person, just because they're raider, they're not going to let their, you know, their desire right. of the finer things in life get, get in the way. Um, so, I, as I say, I, I just say there's more where this came from. We just need a little diversion. We're not much in the business of diverting. Well, diversion, raid a base, same things. This wouldn't have anything to do with that uh, that robot nest a couple clicks over, would it? I need to make sure it's, he's not talking about my robot nest. Uh, which robot nest is that? One that we tried to raid about day and a half, couple days ago. Didn't go so great. There's a reason there's eight of us and not 14 of us. Ah, yes, that is the place I'm talking about. Well, I mean, if you count the numbers, there were 14 of us and there's eight of us now, so we're not exactly keen on going down there and getting blown to, getting blown to shits and smithereens again. But we will take your Brahmin steaks and, hey, let's put it this way. If you come back this way and there happen to be some, uh, there happen to be some Institute types following you, we'll put some lead in them. You know, I would 
definitely appreciate that. Um, and, you know, like, you know, just as a sense, you know, this gesture of goodwill and all, uh, would you be able to share some of the lay of the land of that base? If you mean if you mean the hole we blew in the side of it, we can tell you where that is 100%. Okay, yeah, that would be great, as well as, you know, like, what we would be up against to go in there. Uh, well, the thing, the main thing is, and she kind of, like, grabs, uh, like, some paper, she grabs, like, some, um, she just grabs, like, a book and, like, starts writing over it, so it's not exactly easy to read. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, drawing on it, and she's like, so... You want to dodge the dodge the machine gun silos? That was the mistake that we made on the outside. There's about like two or three of them. You see, that's where that was really our big that was our big our our big slip up. If we could go back, hindsight being twenty twenty, that's where I would dodge it. Okay. Once you get inside, you know the synth sentries and institute soldiers, like they're they you know bullets. Bullets to them is a bullet to us, so, you know, that's, I'd say that's a little bit easier, but the main things are, if you go, and she, like, kind of gives you a map that kind of lays out that there's, like, a hilly kind of overpass to it, mm-hmm. if you go up this way, then uh, you're not gonna, then, then you can get kind of a, a top-level view of it, you'll see where we kind of ran downhill, you'll probably see the corpses, they don't exactly seem like they're the cleanup type. And you'll see the hole, and you should be able to, like, kind of slip past most of it. That said, we did find some, we did find some, uh, some mole rat tunnels that were pretty wide open, that, like, underneath that, if you go up to that hill, you should find some tunnels that should take you pretty close to where that entrance is. It'll get you past the silos. Kind of wish we knew they were there beforehand. Understood. That's extremely helpful. You know, we try to do we try to do right by the people to do right by us. And while I ain't exactly willing to bring my family to bring my family to the firing squad again, if we can help you, you know, get in there and grab whatever bits and doodles you're probably after, then we'll be happy to do it. Is there anything in particular that you're in need of? Uh, I mean, well, guns are always pretty great because, you know, I don't know, you know, if you, I don't know if you know this about bullets, but they run out pretty quick. Guns and bullets, understood. See if I can find some ammo packs for you. Well, well, damn, damn kind of you. What'd you say your name was? Ms. No Hands. Ms. No Hands. Well, they call me Old Mama. Damn fine to meet you. Nice to meet you, Old Mama. All right. Well, Tin Man, ready to go? Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, it's worked out a lot better than I thought, honestly. I'm... Pretty pleased. Pretty pleased with myself. Yeah, I I think we have some mole rat tunnels to go through. Oh boy, that sounds like a great afternoon. Uh, don't worry, I'll go first, and then I like shoot some flames out of my flamethrower. <laughs> oh. No hands got a flamethrower. How about that? And like Mister Tin Man looks back and he's just like, yeah, learned that the hard way. <laughs> Buzz, buzz, flame, flame. And so we we cut through we cut through the mole rat tunnels. They're like cramped and dirty and dusty. And you can hear like you hear at one point overhead machine gun fire. 
And it is like ballistic, you know, anti-tank, anti-aircraft machine gun fire from one of these towers. And you see some of the bullets like tear through the mole rat tunnels. And it's not directed at you, but you hear somebody overhead get like lit up. Well, glad we're down here. Goddamn right. And you come out of the mole rat tunnels on the base of like a sleet of like a pretty steep hill. Just in time to see, you see, you kind of look out and see a hole blasted in the side of some kind of institute lab. It doesn't look like any that you've seen before. The architecture is different and it's kind of, it looks like it's half above ground and half underground in a weird way, but there's a hole blown in the side of it. And that's probably something. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so there is a... Um, so there's this hole. Yeah. Um, is there that I can see from, like, kind of sticking my head out, um, like, any large pieces of debris that I could, you know, like, be pretending to fix things with? Um, there absolutely, there absolutely are. I'm going to say you can find exactly what you need to kind of pull off, to kind of start to do this sort of, uh, charade. And then I will ask you for a (laughs) skill roll to see if it's successful or not. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just going to like be going out and like just singing in a robot voice, just like, do, do, do. How may I serve you? And like pretending to try to like be cleaning up the mess in a mindless robot fashion right i'm trying to decide if i want this to be i think i think this i think we're gonna call this stealth okay stealth but i will give you a plus i will give you a plus two because as you're doing this you see there's like a few itrons floating around there's a few other Mr. Handy's like doing similar work so you can blend in. Mm-hmm. And then because you, I believe unless you have have uh, the stealth skill, I believe you are unskilled. At that. I am unskilled. Then you're going to take it. So you're going to end up with a minus two to your skill value. Okay. And so stealth is ruled by agility. So that's two. <laughs> oh, no. But you gave me a plus two. Yeah. So it's at four. Right. Okay. So, and it's just the white die. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Nope. That's a six. Perfect. (laughs) Um, I think that, I mean, I know exactly what it is. I know exactly what it is. (laughs) You, You do it exactly right. Like you've, you've watched enough Mr. Handy's work and enough, you know, enough of these robots work, you know, you do it exactly right. And if you weren't wearing a bright pink frilly sport or frilly house coat, <laughs> it would probably have worked perfect. Yeah, I maybe didn't think that part too. <laughs> would have worked flawlessly if you didn't have that. <laughs> I think an iBot like floats down and is like, oh, you know what it is? I'm going to put you in a tough spot. Mm. An iBot floats down and is like, attention, you've. You've received you you have debris on your back and like basically like tries to like uh you know tries it, like it starts blowing a fan 
or like a wind gun, like almost like a leaf blower. Like it's got a leaf blower kind of like, um, what's the word? Like, uh, welded to the bottom of it and it starts blowing it to try to blow your house coat off. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. And I start like going in, oh dear robot mode. Um, and like start like shifting back and forth to try to like let this house coat be like blown off. I'm I'm still working it. I'm trying. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna call this in this, this case. I'm gonna call this a deception. Deception. I I am not skilled at that. So that means I get a minus one. Minus, uh, you, you, minus you, you subtract your value by four. I'm going to, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it balances out though, because I think, um, I think Mr. Tin Man comes in and tries to assist <laughs> and like tries to grab it off of you and be like, be like, I'll help. I am helping. And like, is just like trying to be more of a robot than he clearly is, <laughs> but like, is like, fuck it. We got to do something. <laughs> okay. So, um, my charisma then is five. So just roll the white die? Yeah, roll the white die. Um, it's an exclamation mark. Uh, an exclamation mark is a... I, let me double check it. I believe that is like an, either a success or a critical success. So listeners, there is an entire page, three columns worth of symbols in this game. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> and I'm trying to find them and... Oh, here we go. Yep. Critical this is point. A critical, this is a critical point, which counts as a one, which means you are absolutely undeniably successful. All right. It also You also get a critical point, which means you could use the critical effects of weapons or similar things. So what I'm going to say is like, is um, what is especially successful about the two, about your joint? Obviously, you get like the iBot like floats off and is like, well, my job here is done. Yeah glory to the institute and like floats off and then like what is the other added benefit that comes from this especially fruitful success um all the other robots around um are like now completely ignoring us and i think mm -hmm. um because of the the commotion like the moving around with the wind i think they all kind of moved away from that spot um okay. so yep. that we could go in love it must get cleaned yeah, so up. It's wide, so the room is wide open. Yeah. And and then you just hear, must get clean, malfunction. And I go through the hole. You go through the hole. You start wandering these hallways. It's a lot of like, um, you know, the coloration on the walls is weird. The lights and the computer screens are all very weird. It's not your normal institute enclave. Okay. Do I see any um, computer terminals? Uh, you absolutely do. Oh, I am hacking into a computer terminal to find out where a map of the region. Okay. And, like, any uh, so cool things that I can do, like, open an airlock or, you know, activate security drones, something. Yeah. So that's going to be a computer's role. Yes. Uh, I'm going to actually give you a negative two to this. Okay. Because I... you get into this terminal and immediately, like... I mean, you're pretty freaking good at computers. Yeah. And this is 
speaking a whole different language than you are ready for. Oh, this is an operating system you are not familiar with. <laughs> like, this isn't, adv- you know, putting aside the fact that this has institute level security on it. This also just, like, feels like it's like a computer system that you've never seen before. Okay. Um, so I'm also kind of trying to remember how this works. So, but I have an eidetic memory, so that works. Okay, um, so this, you said it was negative two, but I do, yep. I, I have expertise in it. I, I keep on wanting right, to say means- proficiency, but different system. Yeah, so I got a black die. And computers is intelligence for me. Now I'm a tech wizard gearhead. Yep, I, I, yep. It, um, it is specifically related to compute. You get a plus two specifically to computer, so that's going to balance that out. Okay, so that is six then. Okay. Okay, I got oh a failure, but an impact. So it's that X with the cog. Okay, so you've got another action point. You can do another quick... So you've got two action points you can hold on to for two quick actions. And then I've got... I don't know what the symbol is. It looks like a broken military helmet. Ah, that is uh, that is armor reduction. So it reduces their resistances. Okay. So what I will say is that what that means in this instance is uh, you're able to get through the security systems, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, which actually I'll say like, I'll say that you know, you you fail, like, you don't get, like, a map, but you are able to shut down, like, the automated security. Okay. So you can move freely through the tunnels without worrying about security cameras and such, but you don't have, like, a map or, like, you can't shut off the airlocks or anything. Okay, you know what? That's good enough. Hopefully we can be quick so that they don't notice that their security system's down. <laughs> Yeah, I think that I think you've got a few minutes and I think Tin Man sort of like leans in is like, so the cameras are off. So we should probably double step it two step it. Agreed. And uh, I guess we start walking around and peering indoors. Yeah, (laughs) you you wander around a little bit. Um. I'm gonna ask you for one last stealth roll okay. before we get to the before we get to the big big finale. So this is minus two. Yes, and I'm gonna say actually I'm gonna say it balances out because um because you have a uh, Tin Man there helping. Okay. And there's a specific uh, like helping mechanic that I don't remember and I don't <laughs> exactly know where to look it up. So we're just gonna continue to call it a like a balance of plus two. Well, guess who just got a critical point again? Perfect. So what that looks so tell me tell me so what you find you find uh where Mr. Gray is being held. Oh what else do you what else do you find? So Mr. Gray's being held. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um so Mr. Gray is being held like confined um in a or Partially, partially, it's like a glass, you find him in like a glass tube with kind of fluid and gas floating through it, and like the glass tube has been partially shattered. Uh-oh. And like the gut, like there's gas and fluid like all over the floor, and you just see Mr. Gray kind of sitting cross-legged. Um, I'll describe what Mr. Gray looks like in a moment, but what other, what other, what else, what is the, uh, advantage you get from your critical point? 
Um, there is no one else but Mr. Gray here, I think. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to have to fight anyone if I don't have to. <laughs> okay. Um, so, the thing about Mr. Gray is, uh, especially given the name, you figured that he would have been, you fi- he's, like, he's certainly greener than you expect. Uh-oh. Um... Heads a lot bigger than any of the, 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 the humans that you've hung around, even the Institute types, which can be, you know, odd science types. Uh, got a few fewer fingers than your average person. Mm-hmm. He sort of only got the three very long, spindly fingers. Um, loving the spacesuit, though. Yeah. Like, it's a cool aesthetic look. <laughs> and he's just kind of sitting patiently. He's like... You can see, like, the cracks in it are not quite large enough for, like, a being to fit through. And so he's just kind of is periodically, like, kind of jabbing at it. Also just kind of sitting and, like, um, you know, is just kind of sitting and, like, tapping buttons on the spacesuit. You know, buttons that don't do anything at this point because they're not actually in, he's not actually in space. But he's just kind of like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, this is great. Alright, um, I guess I'm going to float on in, um, say, Mr. Gray. Oh. So you're the one- Mr. Tin Man! I- I'm- I'm sorry, I was excited to see my friend, I would not mean to be rude to my- my- my rescuer, hello, I am, uh, Mr. Well, the name that they- the name that they- that the Institute gave me was Mr. Gray. I could give you my real name, but it's a whole thing. You know what? I I believe in valuing people's true names, so why don't you give that a go? Uh, my real name is uh, Zentrok Sorbe. Uh, we'll go with Z- uh, let me think. Let me, <laughs> let me run. Let me give a cool alien name real quick. My name is Zentrok Zortaris. Zortaris. You know I did that on purpose, right? <laughs> oh no, I appreciate that. That was that was good. I appreciate that. Uh... Well, Zentrox or Taurus. You can just call me Zentrox. It's cool. Okay, Zentrox. I'm Ms. Nohans. We're all friends here. Though, if we're going true names, and I, I glance at Tin Man, I was once Cynthia. Cynthia, it is a pleasure to me. What, what, which would you prefer? I've embraced Ms. Nohans. Ms. Nohands, it's a fine pleasure to meet you. It's a fine pleasure to meet you. Now, if you just uh, step back, I can get you out of there. Buzz, buzz, bzzz. All right, well, be careful, because obviously the glass is very sharp, and, uh, you know, I'm, just because I don't need the spacesuit, you know, the gas is in the air here, but I will have to put the, the bubble helmet on pretty much as soon as I'm fully out of the tube. Okay, understood. Um... Can we replicate this back uh, wherever you needed to be? Oh, I, this is this is really easy. All you really need is so all we really need is like a um, I assume you've got like an ion disruptor, uh, like laser cutter. At my base. Right. No, right. Sorry, I forget sometimes. OK, so to build the ion laser uh, cutter, we would then need the ion laser, which means uh, sorry, I sometimes I get like six levels ahead and I need to kind of scale it back to what, you know, the humans could do. And then obviously with the bomb, I need to kind of scale it back a little further. Right. And as, so as he's talking, I think you've yeah. got time to, to, I'm, to cut this. I'm, I'm buzzing. <laughs> so that he can get out. 
All right. Um, you cut the hole pretty easily as he's just like hands on the forehead. Like, so really the first thing that we need is, do you have a heater? Oh, there's a hole. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, if we hurry it on up, we can get out of here before they discover I disabled the security cameras. Uh, and so you, you, the three of you make your way out. Um, the three of you make your way out. Well, I should say the two of you. You turn around and Tin Man is gone, as well as what appear to be several, like, discs and files. Ah. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not the most reliable, but, you know, you you keep your enemies close and your friends closer. Is uh, a saying that I've heard used on Earth, which I quite like. Yeah, um, this isn't very surprising. It is what it is. All right, um, oh, is there any ammo around? And as, like, we're leaving, I'm looking for ammo. He, like, laughs for a second. He goes, this is a, well, I mean, this was an alien spaceship at one point. I mean, there's ammo and there's guns, but they won't exactly be compatible with your 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 weapons. But, I mean, if you want an alien laser gun, I mean, you're oh, in luck. I have heard about those. Do- All right. Yeah. Let, let's go raid puts- the armory. He like pulls you aside to like a like a wall and like pushes what does not even appear to be a keyboard and it slides open and you get like three alien like pulse rifles and some ammo cells. And he's like, uh, do you have like a storage compartment or? Uh, yeah. And I, I open it up. And he stores those in there. There you go. Golden. We should probably head out before. And there is a sentry bot standing directly in front of you. And it's right between you and the tunnel. Okay. Are you in like the where the hole has been blasted? It has not made a move yet, but it's got its mini gun. It's got its mini gun like pointed at you, and it's like you have to stop taking prisoner for extermination. Please step aside. Give me a deception with a black dice. I'm gonna. T- I'm gonna. I'm going to give you a minus two because you're untrained, but you know the right things to say because of your background in the Institute. Okay. But this is an Institute sentry bot. Okay. So. Which I believe means you have to pass an intelligence or charisma roll right now. Yes. So because you said this is deception. So for me, deception is. Well, that's charisma. And you said minus two. So that's three. Okay, unless we do intelligence and then it's four. Uh, give it intelligence. Okay. Uh, okay. So I got the X and the cog and a pow. Okay. So what happens is you, you know the right things to say, but it, um, I'm going to say it like turns its, I'm going to say the, the cog, what you get here is, um, I'm going to say you, you fail, but. Okay. Or rather, you succeed, but, you is succeed. what I'm going to say. I think success here is worse. Mm. Because this robot, this sentry bot, you know, it it, 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 turn, it looks at you and it looks at Mr. Gray and it nods and it turns and starts to walk out and throws you a wave. And it says to you, you know, glory to the Institute. You're doing great, soldier. Glory to the Institute. This way, prisoner. How much did that kill you to have to say? <sighs> it sucks. It it sucks a lot. 
Um, however, I am thrilled that I just got an alien buddy. For sure. Um, because this is going to set the Institute back so much. The only oh, other sure. thing that I could possibly want to do is to blow this alien ship up so that they don't get anything else from it. You could, you, I mean, you've got a few moments if you want to try to attack that key, that keypad again. Well, especially now that I have my alien buddy. Yes. That's yes. true. Um, so once, once that the sentry bot goes out and like, I'm like dying inside having to say that. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I look at, at, uh, Zentrak. Zentrak. These people can't be trusted and. Would you give me a hand and, I don't know, do you have a self-destruct option on this thing? Oh, of course we do. What, 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 what warship wouldn't have a self-destruct function for pretty much this exact situation? And if I wasn't, I mean, the, the only one that survived out of the spaceship and they didn't point a bunch of guns at me, well, then it would, I would have done this months ago. Okay. Hell, maybe years ago. Oh geez. Well, let's let's do it, shall we? Let's, let's do, it. do it. So we Yes, we go. We go to the thing. So, um make your com so you're going to make your computers roll. I'm going to I'm going to cancel out the penalty because you've 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 you have him kind of talking you through it. Okay. And I'm going to ask allow you to roll in addition to your black die for having an expertise skill. Okay. Um and because I have my tech wizard gear ahead, so that gives me plus two. So that's eight yep. that I have. And you, so you also, you're, so yeah, you've got a skill value of eight. Mm -hmm. You're rolling a black dice for having expertise. Mm -hmm. And you're going to roll a, um, a yellow, a uh, black, yellow, or green, uh, a dice of your choice. Okay. What is the difference between? I will explain that to you as soon as I find <laughs> the page that it is written on. There it is. Um, so black dice will increase effect. The uh, yellow dice will avoid an effect being blocked. And the green dice will make your effect more likely to succeed. Okay, I want a green dice. All right. I think that's... I want to succeed. Yeah, you only want to do the one thing, yeah. and this is... I want to blow it up, like, on a timer so that... I can get that. Well, let me, let me ask you this, because this is going to have to be... I think to blow this up is going to be an impact of two. Okay. And which means you have to get two under your skill value to succeed at that. Okay. So I need to get six. Yeah. Okay. So do you want the green dice to get a lower result, or do you want the black dice, which is more likely to just give you extra impact? Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe an extra black die, then. Just so that I get that extra impact, just in case. Makes sense. Okay. Okay, I got a cog and two pals. A cog counts as a one, so that is a success. So you got three impact, so what's the other thing that you succeed at? Okay. You've, you've, set, you've, set, the, you've set the ship to go yeah. off. You've set the timer. What's the third thing? I set the timer. I set it's it's gonna go off. Um, okay. Can I, I um? I think I'm going to. Can I like disable 
the like the computers from any of the robots or synths around. Yeah. So that like they're now on their own. For okay. Sure. Yeah. Hundred percent. So that that's what I'm gonna do. I'm so that that way these robots like can like they've got let's say ten minutes and they can be like okay let's get out. Yep. Exactly what happens. Okay. That's what I do. I finish all my things with uh, Zentrok. Let's get out at the tunnel. And you, you, the two of you flee. Do you, do you get on the, so do you let the robots know or do you just trust them to figure it out? Um, I think I, I say f- just one word, flee. Okay. I, I just want it quick. Yeah, for sure. Um, you hit the button, you say flee, the two of you run, robots, you see robots scattering, iBots are flying this, that way, other way, and, you know, everyone is, everyone is scrambling, you make it to the mole tunnels, you make it to the mole rat tunnels just in time for the whole place to go up. You know, you hear it, you see behind you, like, everything goes pitch black for a moment until your, your night vision turns Mm -hmm. on. Because, like, all the entire hill behind you, like, collapses. So you're kind of, you can't go back. Right. Um, and Zentrok actually kind of just sits on the back of a wall for a moment. It goes, so I'm, I'm not saying that wasn't the right thing to do. Obviously, I, I said myself I would have done this months ago. But it is worth noting that that was my only, uh, my only ticket home, so to speak. So if you'll indulge me in these cramped dirt tunnels, which this is this you is this is this you or is this nature? Obviously, I'm unfamiliar with the local term. Uh, This is nature uh, or mole rat home. If you indulge me for a few moments in these nature tunnels, I'd like to mourn that. I understand. And I um. Did I lose my house coat? Or did we just pretend and then or was it completely like blown off and then like the bot sucked it up with their leaf blower when it reverses? I think it I think um what do, what do you think? I think I I think it got sucked up by the leaf blower. Um because like he blew it off and then like you know how you can reverse it to like pick it all yeah. up. I, I think that's what happened. And I think uh I just kind of like zoom over next to Zentrok. I understand. I lost my favorite house coat. It's all I had left from when Morning I was complete. human. Let's get out of here. Okay. <laughs> we can do that. I don't know if you uh, if you want to join us, but we we've got a settlement of synths and robots, and we're we're working on some pretty good technological stuff. And you know, maybe you could help us out, and maybe maybe we can help you get home. Or at least get a message. Now, um, understand, under, I think, understand a slight amount of reticence around, you know, around, I, I will off, ask one question, because you have to understand my interactions with organized group of, of robots and synths providing scientific advice for them has not been great to present. Understood. Will I be free to walk around or will I be contained to the two? Oh, you can, freedom is paramount. Oh. I Oh, well that's well that's way better then. That sounds yeah, great. Um I I too was once a prisoner of the institute. Oh. 
And in fact, most people well, in the settlement were at some point. And, uh... Oh. We fight against well, I'm sorry them. to hear that. Well, you'll be in company who understands your plight. Well, that sounds pretty nice. You know, after as long as I've been where I was, that sounds pretty damn fine. Great. Uh, first, if you don't mind, I do have to bring some of these weapons to some raiders. Um, and I think when we approach them, maybe you should stay hidden. I think, so I think, um, I think the last thing that we see is, you know, he smiles. He's like, he's like, I I trust you. I trust you to the ends of the earth. And the last thing that we see is like a montage shot of some old, you know, old public domain jazz music (laughs) is playing. And it's like all about like, you know, um, it's all about tomorrow. And like, it's about, you know, hope. As the two of you are scrambling and running and like he's doing kind of a Kermit flail as they are shooting pulse <laughs> rifles at you and going, ah, ah, and it's just and, you know, there's explosions and then it's just kind of freeze frames and then it shows that it's a Polaroid shot. What is the name of your settlement? Oh, Freetown. And it says never a dull moment in Freetown. On your little postcard, and that's game. Yay! <laughs> oh, that was that fun. Was... That was very, very fun. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I love, I love Fallout, and I love, I love everything about this. This was great. This, it, this was, this was nice and lighthearted and fun little adventure of. I, I'm just excited. I got to be a robot. <laughs> I'm, I am too. That was so much. When you said that you were like, "This is my character," I was like, "Fuck yes!" I'm so excited. <laughs> Uh, the, the second I opened it up and saw the archetypes, I'm like, okay, okay, I can be a Mr. Handy. <laughs> yes. It's, it's just thrown in as an option and it's very good. It is. I'm like, why would I play anything other than this? So, <laughs> Victoria, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. This was a yeah, blast. Yeah, thank you for having me. So, real quick, before we wrap up, where can people find you and your work online? Hi, you can find me on Twitter at Mimi Merlot, or you can find more about us on the One Shot Podcast Network or at thebroadswords.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for doing the show. This was a blast. And for now, I'm going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take it, future me. Thanks, past me. And thanks again to Victoria for coming on the show. That game was... God, that game was like just a good Fallout story is what that was. And as someone that deeply, deeply loves Fallout, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. And that's saying a whole lot. Be sure to check the show notes for more information about Fallout Wasteland Warfare and about the Broadswords. Then head over to a little website called Twitter.com and follow the Broadswords at the Broadswords and follow Victoria at Mimi Merlot. Then follow us at Party of One Pod. Then slide on over to Facebook and like the show Facebook.com slash Party of One Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please consider telling a friend about the show, whether that takes the form of an iTunes pod chaser, etc., etc., etc. review, a social media shout out, or a word of recommendation to a friend. All of those things help new listeners find the show, which helps us do bigger, better, and cooler things. 
You can also support the show financially at patreon.com slash jeffstormer, which supports not just the podcast that I create, but the games I design, the community stuff that I do. All of that is funded directly through the Patreon. You can also go to ko-fi.com slash jeffstormer and pay, give me money that way and buy me a craft soda, or you can go to paypal.me slash jeffjstormer and give me money that way. All of those things, all of that money goes directly into making the show happen and doing cool stuff with the stuff that I do. The last thing you can do to support me is to support the other two podcasts that I produce. The first one being All My Fantasy Children. All My Fantasy Children is a character creation, storytelling, and world building podcast on the One Shot Podcast Network powered by you. Every week, my best friend Eric Tanosayas and I take a listener submitted prompt. We spin it into an original fantasy character, and we populate a shared universe one story at a time. New episodes drop every Friday at allmyfantasychildren.com. The other podcast that I produce, which comes out once a year, is quickly approaching its once-a-year release date, and that's a little show called Talking Nog. Talking Nog is a yearly tradition honoring a yearly tradition. Every year, we look at the past, present, and future of everyone's favorite creamy, eggy, boozy, spicy Yuletide treat, eggnog. We answer listener questions, we look at listener photos, we hear your stories, we share them, and we all revel in the experience of everyone's favorite winter holiday beverage. You can find more information about Talking Nog at bit.ly slash Talking Nog because I refuse to pay for hosting and I might run out of SoundCloud space soon. <sighs> All right, then. Party of One is produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Megaran featuring the D&D Sluggers. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates, guest appearances, or press coverage of the show, you can email us at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And that's it for me. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody. Party on.